Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I would like to acknowledge the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people, the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is being recorded on, and pay my respects to the elders, both past and present. Salad or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. I am clad in toweling at the moment. How comfortable. I am, I am so comfortable. We got so- um, this amazing gift, which yeah. doesn't happen so often, but when it does, mwah. We now officially have a brand that we will call Friends of the Pod. I've been waiting. You know? Yeah, so these, so these okay, explain. Well, I'm overexcited. Oh, I'm excited too. Especially, my, my, I feel like my look is exciting you, because I look a bit like I'm in Ishtar. I know. Or like I I'm a surfer. And- Ishtar. So we got a, a lovely package from a little company called Jamu, and it says, Beautiful Ben, Ionian Goldie, we hope you love your new Jamu pieces, handmade with love on Gadigal land, Sydney. They're made from vintage Aussie towels and are each one of a kind. We love listening to your pod, and it's propelled us through some very bleak Mondays. So it's only fitting that we thank you. Love, Jamu. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. And how would you describe them? They're like, well, we'll put a photo up on our Insta, but they're like... Well, yeah, they're for the beach or the pool or just around. They're made of... They just were looking cool, Vintage towels. So they're like, um, you know, in the 50s or early 60s, this was a popular thing to have... Uh, beachwear made of towel, terry. Was it? Uh, terry toweling. Is that you what know terry what I mean? Like is, those yeah. terry cloth. And they're they're actually quite, you know, people. Terry Garth. Who was Terry Garth? Wasn't she on Beverly Hills 90210? But yes, she was. That's right. Not yeah. to be confused with Terry Garth. No. This is Terry Toweling. I would never want people to think I'm wrapped in Terry Garth. What if your but name it would be was, so unprofessional. What if your drag name was Terry Toweling? Okay, and you I had like a kind it. of dad like bod, sort Ooh. of sexy, like, but like, the dad from The Graduate wearing a Terry outfit and you're like grilling. Should and- I make towels, like DJ dad bod towels? Yes. I think they would go really well. Yeah. And I let, these thing. are recycled yeah. and they're vintage, uh, you know, like the towels. So they've got this just retro thing, but they're really well made. I don't know why I'm saying but, but like I have to make an, you know. Well, because they're like free and they come as a present. And so it makes you think they're something like cheap is expensive. You're not going to get something great. But I would like to say that part of our, part of our, mission statement or philosophy with this podcast is like we're not going to advertise crap it's like this is genuinely cool because we are you know as cultural curators which we are now we have evolved into this step of our lives we take the responsibility seriously oh yeah we don't want to be turning people on to some crap toweling clothing this is high class toweling clothing it's so good and it's how comfortable too and we just we love you, Jamu. So anyway, that's that's how that's my look right now. And, that's how my and look I'm looks. I'm not gonna st- uh, stop talking about toweling. I, it's no, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Story Lay when, it on me. When I was with uh, Nigel Terry. Whoa, 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 um, whoa! Okay, Nigel Terry. Who, no, no connection to Terry Towel. No, but yeah. it's there's so many towel crossovers here. But anyway, we were not on tour. I was uh, my brother was in a band called Nancy Boy, and Nigel was the bass player. Wait, is his last name Terry? Nigel Terry. Nigel Mog. Oh. <laughs> 
Who's, who's Nigel Na- Terry? Oh, I know who Nigel, Nigel Terry is. He's the actor who was in Excalibur, who played my father. Okay, so this is now the the linear nature of this story has completely unraveled. Nonetheless, continue your story about Nigel Mogg. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to c- continue with ta- with towel stories. Nigel Mogg, who was the bass player for Nancy Boy. Not to be confused with Nigel Terry, who played your dad in Excalibur. Yeah, Nigel Mogg. Both who- huge towel aficionados. These guys love their towels. But we were in, I feel like we were in Woodstock or something, but the, I don't think they were on The tour, towel capital of America. Or they, we were doing something... Um, and we didn't have enough beds in this bed and breakfast or something. And Nigel said, that's fine. I'll make a little bed on the floor with a towel. I've had, I've had a towel bed before. And he cozied up on the, the thick rug and put a towel as his blanket. A single towel. Wow. Yes. Was but it plush? Because sometimes hotel towels are really starchy. All and dry. I know is once in a while you get a big towel and you lay it on yourself, and it's not even in a setting by a pool or a beach, and it's comfortable. Yeah. That's, that's my true. point that even a towel bed. So you look comfortable, you look stylish, you look cool. Shout out Nigel Mogg. Shout out Nigel Terry. Oh, he passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. A while ago, but yeah, he played my dad. I was weeping this morning. I know. I was weeping. Oh, that was so cool. And I don't want to go on about, uh, firstly, because of spoilers, but also just hearing people talk about a show you haven't seen. I'd rather people just watch it. But the last episode, the finale of Paul T. Goldman, which is the show we've talked about a few times on the pod, um, went up today on Peacock. And I was weeping, dude. It was. It touched me in some very profound ways, and we had a really heavy conversation afterwards. I know because you think it's there, it's not cynical comedy, but the kind of Nathan Fielder and Seth Rogen even there's you know there's a sort of warmth, of course, about them. Maybe because they're Jewish. I don't know. I don't know if I'm projecting that Jewish people can have a warmth to them. But I thought you were saying a cynicism. And a cynicism, but yeah, this type of humor that's quite um, it, it's it's cutting, isn't cutting it? and it, yeah. cynical and kind of not mean spirited, but there can be a sort of you know style. But this is very unexpected because you do think it's something. It's 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 also a, a mashup of different genres anyway. Yeah, but then what crime you discover, it, yeah. the themes are actually way deeper than the surface. It's so much to me about grief and the stories we tell ourselves to get out of grief, basically Mm -hmm. to to buffer ourselves from our emotions. And it's also about the ways we want to control our story, whether it's, and as artists, I I relate to that because I think artists are basically all about controlling their stories. Yeah, we had a big talk about that. Yeah, it's huge because also like once you get kind of out in the world, in the game, and you're sharing your work, you have to release a lot of control because there's a transparency that's there. It's just the reality of having a long career. People can see you. They know who you are. They know what your story is. And it's a lot about it's a lot about the desire to control how people think about you versus the reality. And it's yeah. beautiful. And what you want, like we had a friend who wanted to sound like who was the singer she wanted to sound like because jesse was like that she thought she could just imitate christina aguilera which is the second time you brought up christina aguilera this week oh because we were in a a a caveman records and there was an album and and i started taking just snaps of things in this cool uh gear you know they had gear and guitars and stuff um, and and then there was a Christina Aguilera album cover, and I never got into. I'm sure I like one of her songs. Beautiful, 
the song that Linda Perry wrote for her. That's a that's a great song. You are beautiful. Yeah. I am beautiful. You can't deny that. You can't deny it. Chicken fry it. Don't deny chicken fry it. Um, But there was a picture of her, and it's not my aesthetic. It's very 90s, like these low-cut jeans in her stomach. But it struck me as like kind of an amazing picture. Did you not wear low-cut jeans in the 90s? No, I did. I wore B-boy. B-boy style more, like baggy, but... um, But you didn't do like flared, low-cut, like Drew Barrymore, hippie 90s kind of thing? Yeah, but I did it more like... uh, you know, I don't know. I just wore Adam's clothes, but yeah. they were, they weren't like hers were sort of had uh, like sort of not jean stitching, but you know, it's this whole kind of look. Yeah, and there was like a, a revealing just the, the, the top of the pubis. Well, I love that. That's yeah. great. But you, I, you I, don't do that. You wouldn't do that though. You wouldn't accidentally, wear something that low cut. But you more reveal the backside. I don't mean to reveal the backside. You, your whole family. No, my whole, just me and my brother have this bizarre. Doesn't your mom do it? Or it's your dad's butt you guys have? No, I don't. My mom, just this, me and my brother have a weird thing. You guys are crack wielders. You're just wielding your cracks. It's only when we're doing like an errand, not an errand, a task of where we're bending down or something for some reason. You can't keep that butt in the pen. When did you first realize that you had this gift? Was there a moment? Was it like you were young and like you're in? So irritating. You were in second or third grade, and someone went, "Ioni, we can actually see your." I'm butt sure crack. it was after puberty, just because I had more of hips. Oh, I don't know what my brother's. Hips. He's a man. He's a real. He man. always has no hips, and I think that makes it hard to keep the pants on. I don't know what's because the hips should theoretically give a little. You know, I could really do that look where in. people wear the pants below the butt with the with the boxers coming which is yes. so mental i just saw that yesterday just when people are, i'm always like that looks stressful like your pants are gonna fall down i mean they have fallen down i know but there's also a heroism in people that can walk that line where they you know they could fall down at any moment but they never do they, don't. they never do what do, they do? do you think people secretly stitch their pants to their undies. I'm going to invent that. The pants that are stitched to the boxers so yeah. you just don't have to stress. Our listeners will be pleased to know that we did reach a truce and some resolution with um, the horses experience that we uh, talked about last week. Where If you... you're tuning in for the first time, I went to a restaurant and I uh, under tipped and the next day I emailed because they didn't have a phone number, I, I, I'm sure they did, but I couldn't find it for some reason. And I said, I, I said, I had a beautiful Asian waitress that I undertipped, and then I thought, this is why did I say that? It sounded creepy. But then they didn't respond for a few days. And so then I, I did a little post of that clip from the pod on Instagram, and I wrote, you know, update horses never responded unsurprisingly, and they wrote back, we did respond, and you got an email saying they spoke to Nancy. She thought you were lovely and looks forward to seeing you again next time. Don't worry about the tip. So how about that? Yeah. So we have to go back and it'll be a little embarrassing. How are you going to calculate? Okay. So I, you, I'll have to. I don't know. So you undertip the first time. How are you going to calculate the number? Because like if you, I don't well, want I you to overpromise. I undertipped by like, I would say 10 bucks. You're going to come in like the Monopoly guy with the mustache, you know, <laughs> that guy just throwing money around. The um, silly banker. Was that his name? No, no but that was, was oh, what <laughs> our kid had a little doll when she was like just learning how to talk. And, and he had his fist up like this and it was right around the time of Occupy Wall Street. I know. I and she called him Silly Banker. <laughs> I think it was Silly Banker. Silly Banker. Silly Banker, yeah. Um, that's 
Well, anyway, I'm glad we reached resolution. I'm glad that we can Nancy. show our faces. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, horses. I'm glad we'll be able to show our faces in that restaurant again. Um, I watched at your encouragement, Pinocchio. You saw the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. I was saying it reminded me of you. Yeah. Why? What aspect? Because <laughs> no, I'm just, a liar? <laughs> no. Just because the little kid, just he was like a lot of personality. And when you were little, there's just one video of you when you're little and you're like talking and hyper and your parents are like, okay, Benjamin, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't shut up. And so I just figure that all p- kids secretly feel they're too much for their parents. I was listening to Poog last week and one of our favorite podcasts. Yeah. And Kate Ballant was talking about her mom always entertaining when she was young. And she was like, I sat at so many dinners bored or holding court. It was either one extreme or right. the other. And I was kind of similar in that I was around grownups a lot because my sisters were older. And so I got very used to being a part of adult conversation. Yeah. Um, but it, it is funny that extremes when, when you're a kid that I, I totally relate to that, either being totally bored or making it all about me. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Pinocchio is, is a dark tale the way he tells it. Yeah. Very psychological. Also about grief yes. and about um, the dealing with our, grappling with our mortality and the fact that it, it turns it into the, it's a Guerrero del Toro yeah. story. And so it's very, it's, it's really complex and existential, and it's all about the choice between being sort of heartless or, or being an imitator of humanity and being eternal or being human and having every experience be temporal. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's I, a I'm, similar theme to, um, to Paul, T. Paul T. Goldman. I think it's a theme I'm going through, so I'm seeing it in everything. Yeah, I do love that when I, I feel like when I read things, they're, you know, they're always teaching me what I need to learn. No, mm. but I do feel like I either tie it up in a bow in that way where I think, wow, that's really aligning with things I seem to be kind of learning and noticing. Yeah. So uh, it's not that I'm you know, it's like this kind of magical thing, but it, I think it's just naturally you see, you know, what what's what you're going through. Yeah, you see what you need to see. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. <laughs> or you do get upset if it's a teaching about mortality and oh, grief. I hate that. You get upset. I don't like it. You get what you get. And you get upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did my show. I did my shows. My two shows. New York and oh LA had a big, big week. It was really exciting. I mean, the show in LA, it, it, it was it it was so fantastic. Yeah. So you okay? So I saw how much the LA did you thing. like? How much did you know about what to like? Was it kind of what you thought it was going to be, or was it sort of different? Because I, I mean, put a lot of work into it behind the scenes. That you yeah. Really I mean, I was getting used to the sound. You know, all of the the um. There's layers of like tracks. Yeah. Because I've seen you, too. of course, yeah. pared down. And then I saw you in Sydney where it was sort of, you had a kind of beginning of this yeah. sort of show. So it was amazing. It was kind of like I wanted to see it again, to experience it again. Um, it was my, it was pretty mind-blowing and everybody was sort of, their minds were blown. Yeah, I think I've, you know, it's funny how obviously I've been doing this playing gigs for 30 years, but I kind of feel like I'm just starting to find my... Like I've always been a decent performer and I've been able to create sort of moments on stage, but as a, having a structure that's sustainable that I could go out and do night after night in a way that feels, it's also like arcs my entire career. Like I'm playing songs from, you know, 
all the way back until now. It just feels like I found a way of delivering it that feels very authentic and appropriate. And it's got like my humor and my earnestness and my angst and my sarcasm and, you know, all of that. But plus like this sort of dancey party, you know, this kind of, uh, yeah, there was all these other elements because you're very good at commanding the stage, like making people feel you're like a good performer. Like you kind of make people feel safe and you're performing, but you take them on a journey and you're very confident and comfortable and you like always have the humor and the warmth and, you know, and the like kind of parts that get really exciting and the parts that are more tender. But this was sort of, yeah, it was like a bigger show. Yeah. I feel like also I've leaned into embracing being a party host. Yeah, this is like more, this was doing that, but there's the party element as well. Yeah. And it was cool that you kept, you didn't have someone run on giving you your new guitars that you needed every few songs, (laughs) but you ran off stage and it was like, you knew someone was there handing you a guitar, but it was like, it was really funny. Well, actually, I think they probably should have come out. It just was not that well thought out. I think (laughs) maybe next time, because it was sort of like- No, no, in New York, she Interrupting the flow, but it also was this secret behind the scenes kind of- you would just like reach your arm in backstage and get a new guitar. Do a little, do a line of coke. Yeah. Like just kind of have a little, have a very quick blow job. The like ne- things like the that. The Nina yeah, yeah, yeah. Simone thing, a little coke and a little champagne. Oh yeah, that's right. That was her rider. Mm-hmm. How tender. And it was so, <laughs> it was so meaningful to me, the friends that came out. Like it's funny how I go through differing feelings about inviting people to shows. Like there are some shows where, I really, I almost punish people. You don't deserve it. (laughs) I don't know if I want to punish them, but I almost want to go under the radar a little bit and just do my thing. And there's other ones, I think, because this is the unveiling of a new thing. I really wanted to reveal it to like my friends and family and my community. And it was so meaningful. Our wedding, I invited like two people and you invited like a thousand people. Like I under, I under invite, but yes, I think that it was beautiful. And New York always surprises me because the audiences in general I hear for comedy, for music, you think they're going to be very kind of harsh because they're New Yorkers. But New York audiences are very actually loving and soft and, right, easier than you would think. They can be. I don't know if you can make a blanket rule there. They definitely see a lot more. So in a sense, their standard can be a little higher. There's not the appreciation that if you're in a small town that not everyone goes to, there's an appreciation. That's how it used to be in Australia in the early 90s when an American band came. You'd just be like, oh my God, Mud Honey's in Australia. It just yeah. felt so like an alien spaceship landing. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, there's a real there's an appreciation of art at a high level in a place like New York. And when it connects, it's really magical. Yeah. yeah and people really, were so cute, like yeah, holding each other. I know. they were, And it was fun and it was just great. Shamir was there singing with Grant and I got to, um, you know, introduce Shamir and those friends to Jack, your little brother who's playing with me and all that. I you know, know it was it's just crazy. A great- Shamir and my little brother are like six months apart in age. I know. They're buddies now. Mm-hmm. And I had a great lunch with my old friend Adam Green from the Moldy Peaches. I love that. Which was so nice. I think we've talked about before. But so a brief history of my connection with Adam Green. I was seeing a band called The Frogs at the Knitting Factory oh, yeah, the in probably 96. And these two people came up to me, this sort of tall, gangly teenage kid and this shorter girl with an afro in a 
um, who seemed in her mid-twenties, and they came up to me. They were like, hey, we've started a band. We're called The Moldy Peaches. And our first single has a song called I Wish I Was Ben Lee on it. And they pulled it out of their bag and gave me a seven-inch. And from that point- Top tune. Yeah, and it was- it was just this ongoing, we just crossed paths over and over and over again in New York. And they ended up, there's a documentary out now called Meet Me in the Bathroom that's all about sort of the Lower East Side and Brooklyn scene with the AES and the Strokes. And the Moldy Peaches were a huge part of that. But they've, um, we just, it's really nice because it's like having these peers that, you know, Adam's the same age as me and talking about what it is like being a sort of like subversive yet established independent artists and how to age gracefully and how to balance family and, you know, career and money. I mean, he's just, he's, he's so funny too. He said something, we were talking about backdrops yeah, and, um, and he said, yeah, I saw the Pixies a few weeks ago in Brooklyn and they didn't have a backdrop. And I wasn't like, wow, that's so cool. There's no backdrop. <laughs> I was like, it didn't help necessarily. So, But that was really- Well, their whole aesthetic is not no aesthetic, right? I know, but now you have a backdrop. Put the I logo know. up there. It's not Do that something. hard. It's not that hard. Um, it's, it's not like Rattle and Harm. Like with when you 2 went back to basics after doing this arena thing and then they did just the stark kind of white psych thing, it felt really radical. Sure. But just seeing the Pixies have no backdrop, it's like, yeah, they've never had a backdrop and they still don't have one. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I uh, also think it's funny, like, meet me in the bathroom because it's a younger generation, it's not that I don't look up to younger generations like um, Natalie from Wise Blood. I look up to her and she's obviously a younger generation. But uh, it's funny watching that documentary, like anything about Oasis or anything about someone in the same generation, or of course, a generation ahead of me, like the New York you know, scene in the 80s or the whatever, seven, you know what I mean? Or the 60s, blah, blah, blah. I just you know, you, you romanticize it, but it was funny. Meet me in the bathroom. I sort of, I didn't have that extra thing of like, wow, I can't believe CBGB or whatever. Cause it was sort of like be- below my age group. Do you have that? I mean, that was your generation. No, what well, they would look, I'm roughly the same age as them, but they started later than me. So it right. felt like another generation. The Strokes, I remember getting their first EP. I, I mean, I've had I a like big them. experience. Like what, what album? You like the Kings me? of Leon, didn't yeah, you? I yeah. I was like kind of blown away by that album. And, and the Strokes, I, remember when I was listening to them in the car with Amanda Decadene before she married one of them. Yeah, she did Nick Valencia. Yeah. And we just like for two days listened to the strokes over and over. But um and the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she blew my I mind. like the yeah, yeah, yeah's a lot. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say which ones I like. Of course and I love the moldy peaches and, yeah, and you know C D sound system. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying watching the scene part of it. Yeah. Like I think because of the cl- like when I watch the Stones 
for them or, you know, they're like, oh yeah, that was just a party that was being backstage at a show that was being in a hotel room. Yeah, like, but you look at it now and it's like, there's it's like, like Freddie Mercury, David Bowie. And it's um, also just the like look of Shaka the time, <laughs> the different of the look of the time. I don't know. It's, it's funny. I think I get excited. There's a part of me that is just such a fan of culture yeah. that I can get excited about excitement that's going on in culture. Like for me, I loved, I remember when the strokes were out, I loved reading articles about them because it was all about essentially this boy band, this punk boy band and the hysteria that was sort yeah. of, I mean, I'll never forget getting a copy of the NME and it was the strokes on the front. It was their first tour of the UK. And the headline was British girls. We love them. And I remember I was with Ben Folds at the time and he was like, that is Perfect. That is exactly what you want a 23-year-old American band to say the first time they tour England. So I can kind of buy into just the phenomena or the hysteria around something, even if I'm not totally on board musically or, you know. Yeah, no, I'm not not on board musically. I'm just saying that, yeah, it it, it just wasn't... You were saying they're babies. You were just saying they're big crybabies and you have no respect for anyone younger than you because (laughs) you're an old head. You're an originator. I'm an old head, that's for sure. Do you want to hear a question? Yeah. Hi, Ben and Ione. Love the podcast. This is Megan from Canberra in Australia. I'm a big fan of Ben's music and I'm now discovering your work too, Ione. My favourite gig of Ben's was the Something Borrowed, Something Blue album tour. I was in the front row at the ANU bar in Canberra. Great show and it's still my favourite album. At the gig, there was no backstage area. So at the end, Ben got to run through the crowd and then outside to jump into a minivan so rock and roll also that day was 11th of september 2003 which i realized later on is ben's birthday happy birthday ben now when i go to gigs i make sure to check if it's the band's birthday that day but i've had no hits so far on this now for a question what is the best birthday party you have had ben and ioni oh i love that yeah is that where kate's going because her boyfriend's from there um, yeah, oh, no. Canberra. Yeah. That's exactly right. My kid lives in Australia and she, her boyfriend, they're going there soon to yeah. see his parents. Totally. Canberra. Um, have you been to Canberra? No, no, but it's the capital. Well, yeah, I have, my cousins lived there for a long time. Oh, right. There's my, an art, there's a good museum. Yeah. My cousin Perry, um, her husband was the director of the National Portrait Gallery. Ooh, so la, we la. got to do a nice I married tour up. of that. I married, married up. up yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite birthday party you've well, ever thrown? Well, I'm thinking of one funny birthday party when I was little I had with my friend Brenna. Who was, I was not expecting this to be a childhood birthday. Listen, yes, not my ahead. favorite. This is just a one that turned sort of- Turned you on. <laughs> turned me <laughs> off. No. It was like Brenna and I had different friends because she was one year younger and she was September 2. I'm September 4. Um, and so we, our friends started like teaming up on one another and we had two groups, like instead of being- like West Side Story. Yes. And so we walked, decided, this is the old days- More like the Bloods and the Crips because it was LA. Yes. Well, my street did have an Armenian mobster shooting. Oh, really? Yeah. I grew up in little Armenia Hmm. in Hollywood. But, um, in any case, so we, we, you know those parties- I remember when I was in the Philippines once and the, the, the guy was telling us, giving us a tour of Manila and he was explaining the different areas. He says, this place, it's got a lot of Chinese restaurants and people. So we call it China Town, Chinatown. And I was like, 
Awesome. Yeah, I think we've got one of those too. Cool. Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> so, you know, your birthday parties when you were a kid were always themed and your parents worked really hard. But back then in the 70s, it was like you would just have a cake and a pinata and like- Yeah, mine were pure 80s. Yeah. yeah, so we just were kind of bored at the party and we decided to walk around the neighborhood and we teamed up on two different sides of the street and they were singing, happy birthday, dear Brenna. And we were on our side, happy birthday, dear Ioni. And what were you, were you singing to Ioni too or were yeah, just, oh, I was doing because it was like that thing, you know, who can sing the loudest and outdo each other. So it was, it turned into a bit of a battle. I mean, we didn't fight. Was there a winner though? Who was louder? I don't know. I just remember it was sort of sad. I thought, why has this party become this oh, like battle? That that is you. <laughs> you you are like not really capable of mean spirited fun. Like your conscience, your little Jiminy Cricket, is very loud in your ear. So another party... But wait, you and Brenna were also close friends, weren't you? Yeah. But that we, came after that? She was... This is when we were little and we also, I told you... But did you, how did you guys heal that rift? It was like the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. Well, you, you know, healed the we rift. might have had resentments because remember I said my brother and his friend who were older had us one afternoon, we were fighting and they were like our, our coaches. Maybe it was after like Rocky Three came out or who knows what, but they were like, you guys are going to fight and I'm your like coach and then oh. Craig Simpson's Brenna's. So we were doing like fake fighting, but then we were probably just wrestling each other's shoulders. But then, you know, when you fake fight and uh, it just brings up real anger and then we were sure. started like really kind of fighting also made me sad. I did that too. I know. I had some like fake fights, like Olympic. We had fake Olympic boxing things or something. And before you knew it, you hated the person who you were sparring with. Real boxers keep it professional, I think. But so, okay. Another party I'm thinking of, I had a lot of great parties, was at the Chateau Marmont. And it was with Kirsty, my brother's wife before, who is a September 4, like me. And we were at the Chateau and it moved. First, we had a dinner and it was a masked party, like a masked ball. And then it moved to uh, Amber Valletta had a like one of the bungalow rooms. And then we all were partying there. And then I think it moved to another room and then it moved to the pool. So it was a moving around party through the whole chateau, but just like organic. Love that. It's like an acid trip. Yeah. And in fact, there were some people on mushrooms or something and they were tripping. I'm shocked. I know. But it was my friend May Lee, shout out to May Lee, a.k.a. Bam Bam, because she's clumsy. Uh, she was at the party, and I remember we were, she was just obsessed watching these girls trip on mushrooms. I've had a few great parties, but honestly, our birthday party last year, our joint party with the live piano karaoke was one of my favorites. I know. I absolutely love that party. Now, I want to do that I again hear, in September. Oh, yeah. You know, um, Sam Fragosa singing, I'm a fool to do your dirty, dirty work. work yeah. So now whenever that song comes on, it's on my in my in one of my playlists. I always mm. think of him. Um, I, I should sing a song next time. You, you've got time to start planning. You know, we're in January. You I'll could do really some wa- weird to song. Do something really elaborate like, or, or really tender like Janice Ian's 17. Or, is that her song, 17? I don't know that song. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah, something like that. I'll do some, probably some musical like. You got to pick a pocket or two. <laughs> I love that. You got yeah. to pick a pocket or two. That's amazing. Kate, yeah. my kid, said that that's, that um, Fagin is yeah. anti-Semitic. 
That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I think Jewish representation in theater and musicals has traditionally leaned towards like the money, miserly, hungry, the greedy, uh, the, you know, the shysters, the Shylocks. Uh, anyway, I think we've come to the end of this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. People, can, Shylock. What does that mean? A- well, he was a character in The Merchant of Venice. He's the one who asked for a pound of flesh, and that scene. He was a, a symbol of basically Jewish bankers. Oh my God, your so. intelligence is such a turn on. Eh, it's not that intelligent. It's, it's like, sort of. Kanye would tell you the same thing. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, there's. if you want to send a question in, as our friend from Canberra just did, you can send a voice note to weirdertogetherpod at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review our pod. Thank you for sending in a question. I love it. And just thank you guys for listening. Thank we you are, for being a beautiful baby. Yeah, we are so we are so. And Everyone thank you, Jamu, for this terry toweling. Oh, the terry toweling. And um, let's put a beautiful baby in the terry toweling. Yeah, I'm feeling very. I'm feeling very moved by people that um, connect and appreciate with my or our work at the moment. So I know. extra gratitude. All the friends, the secret like fans who are friends of ours. Not so secret. They've told us, but whenever they do, I'm so famished. Yeah, there's nothing quite like uh, your immediate community appreciating what you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we love you, beautiful babies. Mwah. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.